Hello and welcome to Good Show, the podcast helping you answer one of the most daunting questions in television. What am I watching next? I'm Brandon Sharp. And I'm Anthony Mako. Welcome to the season finale of season one of Good Show. Let me first say this has been an awesome ride. We're really enjoying doing it, but we're very thankful for our audience. We know there's several of you out there and we love when you reach out and we just really have enjoyed this experience a lot. So thank you so much for listening. I hope we say that every week, but just especially right now at the end of this season, thank you so much for listening. We both appreciate it very much. Let me handle a couple details here as we wrap up this season. So number one, yes, this is the season finale of season one, and we're going to take a break over the summer. We will definitely be back in late August. We have plans for what we're going to be watching through the summer to prepare ourselves for the next season, but we are going to take a little break here. And that is mainly, we're both actually at this point, but pretty big proponents of uh, sustainability and the, and the fact that once you start no matter what it is and how much you would enjoy it, if you edit episodes all the time of podcasts, you're going to get burnt out. And we are both, actually, we've discussed several times in a really, really good place. We're not quite burnt out yet, but we know that what might eventually come if we don't take a yeah. break. So yeah. we're thrilled to take a break right now, but also just uh, leaving them on a, um being you, leaving them you on a high note and uh, with a lot of energy. So uh, we'll see you back in August, but I will say this. Hopefully you saw us drop our Ozark discussion for the Ozark finale. And we are going to try and do a cut. There's several seasons of TV that are coming out over this summer that we've done episodes on. Yes. That we, if we've done an episode on it and a new season comes out, what we're going to do is over the course of the summer, we'll drop a quick, maybe 10 minute, 10 to 15 minute discussion about the finale or of, or the, this new season that's come out. Those will be like Ozark was those will be spoiler full episodes. So we're just going to talk about the season. So skip those if you're not there yet or hold on to them until uh, until you have watched the season of television. So we'll drop those just to wet your whistle over the summer. And uh, finally, last thing I want to say is so that you can see when we come back and so you can see these things drop, make sure you're subscribed. And we really appreciate the the ratings, the subscribings, the likes, all those different things from the different podcast platforms. Like I've said in the past, those are very, very helpful. Uh, sometimes that seems a little beggy to me, not that it is, but sometimes I don't want to be begging you. So I just want to end by bringing it full circle back around to thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And on this episode of good show, we are discussing the newsroom. The newsroom opens on a seemingly passive Will McAvoy delivering an out-of-character tirade to a room full of dewy-eyed college students while serving on a panel at Northwestern University. Little did Will know that this oration would turn his comfortable world upside down and catapult his personal and professional lives into uncharted territories. The newsroom was created by Aaron Sorkin and follows a behind-the-scenes formula that he has become famous for and perfected. This time around, we get a backstage pass to Atlantis Cable News, a fictional CNN-type cable news channel featuring Will McAvoy as their primetime anchor. The newsroom aired for the first time in June of 2012 on HBO and stars Jeff Daniels, Emily Mortimer, and Sam Watterson. Aaron Sorkin's final television show ended its three-season run in December of 2014. Ooh, I don't, I don't like, uh, the way you put that last thing, his final, I mean, you're right to this point, but that's uh, ominous. Well, and it's my understanding that he's not doing another television he's show. Done? I mean, that's what, that's wow. what I've heard. But mm. I mean, things change. That hurts. Ooh. 
It does hurt. That's abrupt <laughs> to bring up hurts, right now. Hurts real bad. But <laughs> yeah. I, I do know that things change. You know, I just, yeah. I, I'm almost certain I heard him say, or I heard, you know, read an article where he said that he probably will not do another television show. I wonder how old that article is because now everything's changed so much where a television show might be 10 episodes that are like, it's basically just a really long movie, which is what he's doing now. So, I mean, whatever he's, he's dropping really good stuff right now. And uh, so Mm -hmm. that's fine. It's just sort of sad to think about the end of the era like that. Yeah. Well, you and I were both in on the early buzz for this show. I mean, of course we were right. I mean, we, I feel like I keep really good track of what, Aaron Sorkin's doing what he's working on. Can you remember anything about what it was like hearing about this show coming out and maybe also what that first watch through was like just anything at all you can think of? Cause this was a while ago now. Yeah. But I do remember a lot of stuff about it actually, because so we, uh, first of all, I think, I don't know for sure. We'll see what you say. I think one of the reasons that we've decided to hold out on you on the West wing episode is that we, it would be like a fire hose blasting you in the face <laughs> if we tried to go there right now it's going to be like eight hours of podcast yes so if we start with the newsroom we get a little sorkin in there we can talk about a sorkin a little bit but we're not giving you the full like the whole deal right now yeah it, yeah it, we can get some of it out of our system and let some of that pressure out so that when we get to west wing <laughs> it's not exploding just like a blow off yeah. <laughs> yes so i will say Obviously, this comes at the end of like when you say, what was it like leading into this television show? It's history of loving Sorkin television shows. And so my expectations couldn't have been higher for this thing. I was so excited that he was coming back to do it. Here's a couple of things that I do remember. I do remember they dropped that trailer with his speech, the whole speech. Uh, It's probably very famous speech from the pilot. His first the first several minutes of the pilot. You, a sorority girl. Just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. We're 7th in literacy, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, 3rd in median household income, number 4 in labor force, and number 4 in exports. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what you're talking about. Yosemite? They actually dropped that several weeks. I don't remember how early, but it was, it seemed very early to me. And it like, I just remember watching that over and over again. I thought it was one of the best things I'd ever seen. And it made me very excited for the show. But also from what I remember, it was like too early. So I was like, so like, let's get to it. Let's, let's get this, this thing going. I also even, I guess I should rewind before that. I also specifically remember him announcing a new show was coming. And, um, so by the way, sorry, this is exact right here. This is why we couldn't do West wing right now. But if you don't know Sorkin, like we're assuming a lot about, you knowing Sorkin and, uh, and there's probably some stuff you don't know about how much we love Sorkin, but anyway, let's the, the pattern of Sorkin TV shows, we had sports night and then we had West wing. Then we had a little ditty called studio on the studio 60 on the sunset strip. And yep. then now we're at newsroom. So like I said, if you've been on board for Sorkin for a while, you know, this is coming. And I remember one of the first things I saw was that number one, he's going to HBO. That was terribly exciting for me because I feel yes. like some of the time it was like, he's holding back on everybody because he's writing for network TV. So, Oh, let's see what Sorkin can do. If he goes to a premium cable network, number two, mm-hmm. he made a comment like I've already done sports and politics. So what's left. And he left it very vague like that. And apparently what he meant by that was newscasting, which is not what I assumed he meant by that. I don't, 
I don't know. I but I did specifically think he may have been taking on religion, which I would have been massively more excited for. For yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. I thought that would I would have thought that was awesome. And for whatever reason, the way the that answer was framed, I thought it was going to be religion coming. It was like the big three, and then the big the third big third ended up being newscasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't automatically go to newscasting yeah. if he's like, "What's left?" Yeah, I will say that. You know, some of the things leading up to the newsroom, we got three, frankly, great movies from him. Yes. When I started watching The West Wing, Studio 60 was already out. So I kind of missed that premiere energy. So I had really? never. You, you didn't start West Wing till Studio 60 was already out? Studio 60 was already out wow. and over with. Wow. By the time, yeah, when I finally started The West Wing. Interesting. So, you know, I was there for his movies. I think. So, yeah, about that 2007s when Charlie Wilson's war, I was current on Sorkin and I was following along now with all of Mm. his new stuff. So Charlie Wilson's war, the social network, Moneyball, Mm. awesome stuff, like really great stuff. Boom, boom, boom. 2007, 2010, 2011. And then it's like, holy crap, the master's going back to television and it's on HBO. So I remember being just ecstatic. Yes. It was super exciting to me to be able to be a part of a premiere of, you know, of television, you know, from Aaron Sorkin. Mm. So it was a, it was a great time. Honestly, HBO, like I had some exposure, but I was like, I don't care how much this costs. Cause it was like, it was definitely like high end back then. You yeah, know, sure, nowadays yeah. other things are as expensive back then. It was like, either you knew someone who had it yes. or, you know, you just really had to pay through the nose for HBO go. I think it was back then. Potentially. Yeah. And, yeah, so I, anyway. I've been on for for HBO. It's funny. I was the first person in my family to we we never had cable when I was growing up, and when I moved home from college for a, a year or something like that, I researched because I want. Well, we didn't even have high speed internet when I moved home from college for, and so <laughs> I said. But at college we did. So when I was coming home, I was like, okay, I'm going to get high speed internet here. We need to update that. Can I? <laughs> I'll pay for half of it. But then at the same time, I also asked if we could get cable. And so we got cable. And at that time, specifically, there was an HBO package that HBO came free with the cable. My dad, this was, I mean, what year was that? That was 2006. I got free cable for free HBO with the cable. My dad has just never changed his cable package since 2006. So he still gets free HBO. (laughs) Oh man, like, that's great. It's mostly because he just wants the free HBO. So he won't, yeah. he won't touch anything about his package just because if he ever does, he'll lose that grandfathered package. <laughs> it's so awesome. And I'm still well, somewhat reaping the benefits of that over 10 years ago. I'm wondering if we can spend more time talking about your dad touching his package. <laughs> <laughs> that occurred oh. to me halfway through my, my <laughs> diatribe, <laughs> but what am I going to do about it now? So I want to float something here. Yeah. And and I feel like this is going to get lots of eye rolls. I'm fine with it. You know, this is honestly, this is for you and me, man. Come on. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like Sorkin maybe has his own genre? Like, do you, do you feel like yeah. it'd be, would you feel fine saying that? Yeah. And I think it actually helps a lot for the critiques that he gets. You buy into him or not. So like his style of thing. And if you buy into him, you love him probably. Like Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of, I don't think a ton of middle ground on Sorkin where it's like Sorkin is the best something of all time. 
something like, you know, writer, media writer, screenwriter, screenwriter. Yes. Something like that. And so if you didn't want to say screenwriter in case you added the Cohen brothers, something like that, like that, that gets a little iffy. So then at least television writer, I, Mm -hmm. that seems hard to argue. Like, except that a lot of people would argue and think he's terrible. It's like, there's a a drastic difference. You're either in love with him or you, or you just can't stand him. And I think something in there would lead to like, yeah, he has his own world, his own style show, his own. Let me say this though. Sorry. This just popped in my head as I was talking. He is ahead of his time. I think I might bring up five times tonight, how I think there's ways that he was ahead of his time. And I think even with this premium cable streaming service, all these different things, he was writing shows that are a whole lot more like what we watch now on streaming mm-hmm. services than were, than what TV was at the time. Yeah. West Wing, well, sort of still perfectly translate to just sit on a streaming service now. Newsroom feels like it was ahead of its time. And that's some of that's because HBO was the pioneer in that. But some of that is because Sorkin has been doing that for so long. Yeah. So... Maybe it's just that his genre was like, whatever we're doing now, he was doing that ahead of time. And thirdly, sorry, if you hop in here, if you want to say something, but this is great, man. Thirdly, he's always been about playwriting on screen. And so he playwrights by that. I mean, like writing plays that take place on television as opposed to in the theater. That's what he puts on screen. And so yeah. something about the, you know, that would, that would speak to genre as well. It's, it's a play on screen. Yeah. We should probably talk about the newsroom a little bit. <laughs> and I, I feel like this is like the premium drama to me. When I think premium drama, mm-hmm. I compare it to the newsroom, mm. you know, even more so than the West wing, the West wing yeah. feels network, you know, yes. the newsroom feels elite. It feels pr- uh, premium, you know, and, and a lot of the things that we've addressed over time, I think about the newsroom when I talk about shows like, or when we talked about shows like succession, yes, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. when we talk Very about similar. shows like Ozark and whatever else, I mean, like I, the newsroom is really the standard. I think about when I think of premium drama on a premium service, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of money, amazing sets. The lighting is, um, is just top notch. Yeah. The camera angles and the can't, you know, the way it's shot, you know, it just, it really could be in some ways made for cinema. I think, you know, what's funny too, I don't remember, and I probably don't have time to look it up to make it fast, but how long is the pilot? The pilot's like an hour 20 or something like that. Yeah. It's nearly a film length in just that one episode in season one pilot episode is like an hour and 20 minutes. So not only just like look of it, but he's writing movies that bump up next to each other. It's crazy. He writes a heck of a pilot. There's just, (laughs) there's just no other way to put that. I I will say he has some in the course of his tenure he's fizzled out a couple times with a show sure you know i i feel like yeah. i feel like part of it is he i think he gets kind of bored with some of the things you know i think he has like an idea and maybe it doesn't end up being something good enough to you know build off of it yeah. but uh i he writes a heck of a pilot yeah i mean some some of the best pilots i've ever seen yeah and, and a studio 60 certainly took a dump a little bit but the pilot's awesome oh yes yeah. exactly Well, 
well, let's move on to characters a little bit. This is just the newsroom. <laughs> just the news. I can't hold back. I'm sorry. It's just going to happen. <laughs> just the newsroom. So massive cast. Yes. A lot of lesser known names at the time. I mean, yeah. at least if we're, if we're talking front to back, I mean, there's maybe three or four that like I was familiar with one that I was only really familiar with Jeff Daniels. Mm-hmm. And then there was just some lesser, you know, lesser known actors, which totally fine with. Uh, I feel like that's been the case before, you know, and it's and it's a formula that works for him. Yeah. You know, get the get the right person for the job, not necessarily the biggest name or someone that's considered like the best actor. You want someone who's going to work well with a team. And Aaron is known for like a certain writing style. The person that you're casting has to be able to really stand up to that style of writing. So who stands out to you for the newsroom? Well, I feel a bit like there's a couple people who ended up, I think, sort of it's almost like they were superstars and I just didn't know they were superstars. Uh, And because once I saw them in the newsroom, I kind of went back and saw, oh, they were really significant, like Sam Waterston. There you Um, go. Yeah. Like obviously has been a staple and I just kind of didn't know much about what he was doing. Emily Mm -hmm. Mortimer, sort of same idea, like a a big name from some other circles that I was not familiar with. They're all great. I like Olivia Munn a lot and she is incredible in this show. I, I, I really think she is. I mean, to me, this is the best thing she's ever done. Yes. And it was just, and, and it does her, her role does not fit her personality. Like as a person, uh, she does, I, I guess I say that to say she's acting well in the show. Yeah. Um, but she really just plays the heck out of that part. And also it's a wonderfully written character. So yeah, I, she really stands out to me. There's a couple, I will say also one of my only celebrity sightings in my entire life was that I saw Jim Gallagher, John Gallagher, yeah. I'm sorry, plays Jim. I saw him playing music in New York. I went and saw my buddy playing music in a bar in New York city and John Gallagher opened for him. And so I sort of met him, but that was in the first season of newsroom. So I was so like, this guy is not a star yet, obviously, although he had been in an episode of West wing two two episodes of the West wing. Um, but was the newsroom out yet? When, what, when When I saw him, him. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I believe either it was either out. I knew he was in the Sorkin show. He was in it. That's right. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was, quite out yet or if somehow it it had been announced but anyway i didn't know really who he was but you talked to him about you talked to him right yeah yeah but i was too yeah but i was too like jittery because (laughs) i was in the presence of secondhand sorkin so oh man uh yeah it was very it was so that was very interesting he's you know good musician as as happens in the show a little bit but yeah so uh you know if i'm talking cast i think about him there's not really uh, I'll let you talk for a little bit because you're going to bring up something that I could just go on and talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeff Daniels is is great. Oh, I, yeah. I am always worried about, you know, kind of the name. You know, there's always one person that's kind of the name, the, the, you know, the Martin Sheen. Yeah. So I always I always worry about that a little bit. Is this going to be a big enough? Is he going to stand up to kind of the the Sorkin standard? Is he going to be a big enough name to pull in an audience? Jeff Daniels is so good. Yeah, he's so good in this show. I yep. mean, he be, he really becomes the Will McAvoy character. Yes. Um, and honestly, one of the actors that I was not familiar with, who 
by the end of the show becomes maybe my favorite actor is Thomas Sadowski, mm-hmm. who plays Don Kiefer. There's just something artful about the delivery. I mean, you can really go down the line and in with all of Sorkin shows and the people who have been cast in Sorkin shows. And, you know, you really can tell the people who get it. Mm-hmm. You know, cer- certain people really, ju- they just get it. They're the ones who maybe he uses them again. Maybe they were stage actors. He casts a lot of stage actors, yeah. you know, um, but Thomas Sadowski seems to just get it. It's yeah. there's kind of a rhythm to the line delivery. And I'm sure if you've, you know, ever read an article on Aaron Sorkin or listened to any, you know, body talk about it, there's a rhythm to it. It just seems like Thomas really, really gets the writing. He really knows how to deliver the lines for Don for Don Kiefer and he nails it. I think he ended up being my favorite by the end. And there's something to the fact that I think the character Don sort of carries the, I'm okay to admit that there's like a Sorkin arrogance a little bit. And, and I think uh, Don might be one of the largest keepers of the Sorkin arrogance in newsroom, which is for me at least very fun to watch. There's like sharp quips and like, just like quick dialogue, all this stuff, and just sort of a a bit yeah. of a snobbishness, and like he very much embodies that and holds it together. Which, uh, if you were confronted with it on the street, you would it would be upsetting, obviously. But to watch this it on guy's screen, a jerk. yeah. But to watch it on screen is a lot of fun yes. for me, at least. That, yeah. That's what I think. Well, the cast as a whole, yeah. you know, Sorkin loves an ensemble. How does this one feel like it meshes, like really, like molds together? I mean, because. The West Wing is the standard. How does this one feel like it holds up to that? Yeah, I'm going to say not quite as good. I think there's some bumps in this cast road. I will say they do seem to mesh together very well on screen, but it doesn't fit together for me logic totally logically why and sometimes i feel like he skips over why these people might care about each other and there's yeah. there's almost like an assumption that uh, like basically everybody knows that sorkin writes workplace dramas he loves right. workplace relationships that are also sort of friendship relationships that mix together and this is like he writes shows about jobs that are your whole life that way all of your relationships are in that job as well and there's ways where like this cast sort of on screen cares about each other but i'm just not sure why they fit together it doesn't make a ton of sense to me um and so there's a couple people in the show that i'm not going to say the actors are playing it poorly like this just might be the way the the character was designed there's a couple characters that are just don't don't completely do it for me and their relationships don't completely do it for me. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and what, well, I mean, I'm trying to avoid calling people out, but just like Maggie, I never really like all that much and she does her job <laughs> fine. I'm not, I'm not, I guess played by Allison bill. I'm not saying Allison is not a good actress. I'm just saying whether, whatever it is, I don't buy the character all the way. Yeah. I think the best way for me to describe it is, There may be at any given point in the show, two characters who have really good chemistry. Yes. But if I take that and I compare it to the West Wing with, you know, CJ, Josh, Toby, Sam, Leo, they all had amazing chemistry all the time. Yes. The whole main cast had great chemistry on screen. Then you have kind of the second tier cast. You have the Donnas. You have the Charlies who really became more first tier. Um, Went up to the lake, pulled out a couple Charlies. (laughs) but you have will you know you even have abby and they all have great on-screen chemistry with everyone else yeah 
I will say that Charlie and the, Abby have great chemistry. Like it's, <laughs> they do. Yeah. They have just, great scenes together. Yes. Yeah. I will say the newsrooms kind of second tier cast, the, the, the second stringers have almost terrible chemistry with, with anyone. I, I can, yeah. I have a hard time thinking of any of kind of the support staff is what we'll call them. That's less of a pejorative than second string. The, the kind of the support staff of the newsroom doesn't have great chemistry with really anyone. Yeah. They have one line an episode if they're lucky. And and maybe uh, they do with one person or, you know, something like like for example, uh Jim has I think really good chemistry with Mackenzie. Mm-hmm. And then some of the other characters just not really. And sometimes yeah. yes, sometimes no, but it's yeah, you're right. I'm totally digging what you're saying for sure. I don't want to get too down on anything here. I just want to put it under the microscope, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I it, literally sat around and tried to think of negative things I could say about it because I knew if I just fangirled about it, fangirl's not a nice term, I guess. If, if I just fanboyed about <laughs> Sorkin the whole time, it wouldn't be an interesting episode. So I'm with you on this. Yeah, I just kind of thought about this sort of stuff this week. I will say though, Kind of the way the newsroom is set up, like the when I say the newsroom, I mean like literally the set, the newsroom set, the way it's set up does allow Sorkin to utilize more people more often. Yes. Than the West Wing. The West Wing is a lot of, you know, different rooms, lots of walk and talks happening, which is a, you know, a big Sorkin term. But the newsroom, there's a lot of like open air conversations happening where like everyone's involved yep. you know bigger meetings there'll be like arguments happening but everyone's kind of involved either wh- whether it be with like a glance or like a comment under their breath to someone like yeah. everyone's kind of involved in everyone's conversations so i will say it does allow sorkin to utilize the support staff more often yes it just isn't done as well as it is in the West wing. Well, I think when the spotlight is on them, it works pretty good. Like, and that's to say when they're sort of used for a joke. Yeah. Um, it works. And really I'll say well. the jokes are, the jokes are funny, yes. but it also kind of feels like a trained monkey could have delivered the line sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I don't know if that was extremely mean of me to say, but there's just like, eh, that yeah. wasn't a, that wasn't terribly skillful, you know, like I'll, I'll think about that when, yeah, that was a funny joke, but I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if, if I think anyone could have done that, you know, I don't know. Well, and I, I, I don't disagree with you. I might even do just say like some of the dialogue is building toward a joke and then they end up delivering the joke well, and it's really yeah. funny, but then the, the lead up and the, the, the tail off what trail off those don't work quite as well because it's like the train monkey aspect of it. But yes. like, it was all about the joke in the first place. So like we nailed that part, but we just didn't get those other each side of the joke quite as well as some other shows. It didn't flow quite naturally into it. How do we feel like, because this is a criticism of Sorkin, a common criticism. How do we feel like he writes for females on this show? I'm so glad you teed this up because I was trying to think of a way to to or like when I was going to work this in because that's I think one of my things I've noticed the most on this watch through as I was talking about Sloan Sloan played by Olivia Munn I she was written in particular like specifically I think maybe even to combat this criticism of Sorkin and I think she sta- you take her out and say Sorkin did not write Sloan Sabbath the way he normally writes some female characters. If you take her out, I, I think he's got some problems in this show as well. I mm-hmm. don't like how he wrote Maggie just as mostly a ditz. And then at some point she just flips all of a sudden, like, 
Uh, and then it's like too far of an extreme because you didn't get a you didn't get any sort of like uh, how'd she get there? Like it's 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 crazy. And so yeah. and uh, oh, I mean, I think Mackenzie has written really really well, but I do think he's sort of. I, for whatever reason, I think maybe even more than any of his other shows, he's got a lot of language in there about like, oh, let's be men and let's, you know, like, like it's sure. all, it's all, there's a whole lot of masculinity going on. And to do this job well, it requires some masculine energy. And I do uh, like, I, I think a little bit like Sloan is a strong woman, but it's sort of like he channeled masculine energy and put it into yes. a, a female character. And that's why he wrote a strong female character. Oh, be a newsman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right. Like, yes, yes. Come yeah. come drink with the men. Yes. And, but it's like in Sloan. Yes. Drink, you come drink with You're this You're allowed too. in the boys club. Yes. Uh, right. and, and then, you know, everybody else is kind of cast aside and written the way Sorkin sometimes writes female characters. So I do think like we've still got that problem sort of going on. Now, in my opinion, I don't feel like he ever writes anything like completely offensive I just think sometimes it's just like it's a it there's a boys club and he he likes writing for the boys club more and it's pretty obvious and so that's unfair of him for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave that alone because yeah. I liked what you said and I feel like I'm just going to mess it up if, if I get in there and start poking around. Well, I'm glad to know you agree. That's, you know, I do, I I do. I feel like well, there we go. Yeah, I think that was a I think that was a good explanation of a common criticism of Aaron Sorkin. Do you think he's going to hate us if he hears this? If he hears this, I'll be happy. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever that, yeah. The story struggles. I'm just going to say that. The story struggles the more the seasons tick on. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I think the West Wing was great because he had a lot of story in him, you know. The newsroom not as great because I feel like he had like one great season yeah. in him. Yep. A second season that was okay. Yeah. A little better than okay. And a third season that was not great. It wasn't great. I think to slowly or to to try and intentionally describe it, it's season one. It well, it's that thing where you your first album it takes you twelve years to write. Your second album takes yes. nine months. So yes. He had a long time to think up season one, and I think and it's awesome. And season one is awesome. Yeah, very, very good. In many ways, he's at his peak. He's at the peak yeah. of Sorkin writing. And um, I think season two, the way I would describe it is, it was an experiment with a storytelling tactic, uh, basically one long arc over the course of a season. Mm-hmm. And I agree that there are some ways it didn't work. And then season three... There are elements of season three because you love some of these characters and you're carrying the story out and you're completing some of the story. There's some ways it works. And then, of course, I, there's a lot of disconnection in season three. And if I were to evaluate season three from a, a complete story arc perspective, I, I wouldn't give it a really high grade. And, and also trying to connect it to some like contemporary issues, the sort of Edward Snowden of it. And uh, yeah, uh, it, it just didn't really land. Yeah. I agree. I think so. The the whole idea of the show is Aaron gets to write episodes about big news events Hmm. that were potentially reported poorly by the big networks, and he gets to decide what would be the correct way to report these episodes, these these events. And so he's working in like the near past. So, you know, it was just like when it came out, we were like really maybe three or four years he was, he was reporting events on the show that had happened maybe just three or four years prior. Yeah. So at some point you're thinking he's going to catch up to present day. What's yeah. he going to do yep. then? Yep. And 
I think that did kind of happen. We caught up to present day at the end of season one. I think, you know, Aaron, if you're listening, this would have been a great idea. You know, just maybe start a little further back. <laughs> no, I feel what I'm saying is I feel like we needed another season like season one. Yeah. I think that formula needed to be, I need, needed to stretch its legs a little more because it was great. It was really working. Yeah. I think it I actually specifically remember thinking, cause there's a couple times in season one where they make kind of a big time jump, like yeah. on whatever they're covering. I'm like, why'd you do that to yourself? Like you had some other stuff. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Yes. Why'd yes. You jump ahead so far. You're going to, there catch. wasn't anything in there yeah. in the middle yeah. that we could have, that we could have snagged. Yeah. I do feel like the episodes, they move really well. They're paced really well. And, and again, season one is, is kind of the standard here. It's, it's the it's the best of the newsroom as the show ticks on i think episodes drag a little bit i think it gets harder to kind of figure out where the show is going what the story's doing but again season one is top notch it's yeah. it's very good so how do you feel like the writing is <laughs> <laughs> the, di- the does the dialogue work for you <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is the big one. I mean, this is this is the big one here. Aaron Sorkin's known for his writing and yeah. his dialogue. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I the, if it doesn't work for you, get out. Yeah, I'm not get out. Yeah. And I'm not gonna we can talk about Sorkin dialogue for sure, but like I just can't take any points away. He was from a dialogue pers- like the story, like you said, I'll admit oh, I'll admit that the- never goes away. No. And I don't know what it is about maybe some sort of like attention issue I have or something like that, but quick, the way he writes quick, there's sure. so many words. He's he's <laughs> here's why, a- why use five words when you can use a hundred. Yes. I mean, that's- and also here's the comparison that I think it might get us like some national news coverage that Aaron Sorkin is the M&M of television writing. Oh, like cramming in as many words as possible. He's a wordsmith and he is like, people are bouncing back and forth. The dialogue's quick. We've talked in the past about how like, like reasonable uh, pacing for response. Reasonable response time. Yeah. There's none. There's no, absolutely not. Not even breathing time. It is. uh, But also the way he, I always resonate with the way he describes his own writing, which is that he writes it like music. It is, there's Mm -hmm. rhythm to it. And I, like, I just think he does that perfectly. Like every there, there are, there are like stereotypical that like, okay. So there's a, this isn't a spoiler at all, but there's a, there's a joke in there where you remember when Jim gets hit in the head and Maggie's patching him up and he says, Al, do you, Al, do you know, (laughs) Al, do you know what you're doing? Ow. Like just the way every time she would touch yes. his forehead with like alcohol or something, yes. an alcohol wipe, he would say, ow. Yeah. Yes. And, but, but it happens three times. And the way I've often thought about the way he put that thing together, it's perfect. You could not make that any better. It's just like somehow you sort, you see it coming from a mile away and still it's perfect. Like, it's just a great joke. It's just, and per- I can perfectly, I can totally joke. hear Aaron being like, uh, John, yeah. the way the line yes. is supposed to be delivered is yes. da, 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 yes. you know, like he, it has to sound right to him. Or yes. We're not moving on. Yes. You know, like, I mean, and again, this is just from the extensive interviews with, you know, people he's worked with. I, I feel like I can safely comment on things Aaron Sorkin would be saying just because I've <laughs> no, no, I know. Yeah, we've, read and watched everything. We've got time in. The dialogue is not, it, it shouldn't, I, ju- I just want to make sure we're not just like assuming that it's great because this is where it is. This is dialogue is what gives this show 150% 
and and really elevates anything that Sorkin does, I think. And what makes me willing to forgive some shortcomings in other areas because the dialogue is so playful, so fun, but also so meaningful and serious. And yet so polarizing. A lot of people hate it. Sure. Yeah. You know, which is crazy to me. Well, they hate the dialogue or they hate that style of writing. They hate why use five words when you can use a hundred. They hate mm-hmm. that. A lot of people do. Hmm. I, I I see that criticism all the time. Stop preaching at me. Use less words. Yeah. Don't watch Aaron Sorkin, man. That's yeah, all yeah. I can say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's his genre. Yeah, yeah. One question. So I feel like a lot of times, this is obvious, but I feel like a lot of times when we discuss dialogue, I feel like we are subconsciously using Sorkin as the gold standard that all other writers must be compared to. Is that fair? I think it is similar to the Eminem comparison in that like, uh, and so who cares, but Eminem is my favorite rapper and I would, you know, obviously as my favorite rapper, I would say he's the best rapper. And I all the time get in arguments about this. Like is Eminem the best rapper of all time? My position is yes, but it's because of his style and that he fits so many words into songs and just like rhymes things that other people, it's a technical, like watching a technical feat happen in front of you. I really enjoy that sort of thing. Now Mm -hmm. I can understand that there's like, uh, some sort of like vibe that someone is putting on or, you know, something like that, the whole, the way they live their rap life and their, you know, persona and all this different stuff. I can understand how like all of that comes together to be more than just this technical thing. But my favorite thing to watch is technical stuff just like at its peak uh, turned up to a hundred just cranked out and so it's i guess my answer to you is it's probably not completely fair and there's different things and there's other things that you would like to watch but it's sort of what i personally grade things against yeah and I, i do feel like it's not for everyone yeah and i mean there are plenty of things you could say sorkin doesn't do this very well I can't think of any right now, <laughs> but I would totally be open to someone approaching me and be like, Hey, let's talk about Sorkin. I feel like he misses the mark with these things. I think because that's true, I, I wouldn't want to say that someone else's writing is not as good. I, I think if we're, if we're going to break it down and we're going to talk about dialogue, I think you could say, yes, everyone's dialogue. We could compare that. I think if you're talking like maybe about storytelling or character development. I think it's safe to say Sorkin's left a character or two underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think yeah. that's easy to say Yeah, his, his stories generally good, at least like the initial idea is yeah. always something that I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Same thing happens with the newsroom. I think also because he's a student of theater, sometimes he can seem predictable. And so yeah. that, that doesn't hit people the right way. Uh, because he just know he understands the arcs and and the different like how something should feel is is based mm-hmm. on like the way it has felt in the past. So I think that can turn people off as well. Where it's like he'll use sort of characters as patsies in his game. Yeah. When when you're talking about underdeveloped characters, it's like well, I only had them in here for this purpose, so I don't exactly. Care. You know. Uh, yeah. So I think that does happen a lot, probably. And also, if if you're not into the predictable nature of like an up and down and a and a act three going into act four, you know, that he does deal in, in familiar patterns. I've heard him say numerous times, you know, cause I think a question that he gets often is you write all these smart, really smart characters. You must be a genius. And he goes, I'm not that smart. I just know what smart sounds like. Yeah. And I, th- I think that is, that is one thing that again, we, we see in the newsroom and, 
honestly, I I I love what smart sounds like. Yes, I, I yeah, love. That's a really good I love hearing yeah. debate, conversation, arguments, discourse. I love hearing it at a, an elite level. Yeah, it's 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 very pleasing to my ear and very engaging. And I think the newsroom does it well. I think the West Wing did it better. Yeah, but I will say. It's up there. It is. It is absolutely on um, a high level in this show as well. Yeah, I think one of the largest extenders of my vocabulary has been Sorkin television shows. Like, I mean, and even he he always admits that he loves the sound of technical terms. And he, yeah. th- there's some honestly, like I was noticing him this time through in newsroom. There's some silly inclusion of technical tv lingo where it's just like i was thinking about the amen episode where they're talking to him about what sorts of uh equipment yep. he has over there and there's like he's mm-hmm. got this this and this and this and this it's like this isn't, this does not need to be in this show you just like the sound <laughs> of technical language yeah like these this is how these people would be talking if it weren't on a television show yeah so we're gonna do it right like i can yeah. I, I can appreciate that yeah, yeah. i can appreciate that like it's you, you know we're getting the backstage pass here so aaron sorkin is a well-known progressive person Mm -hmm. politically progressive Mm -hmm. do his shows only appeal to lefties no and i'm i'm using that term friendly sure i know yeah being friendly when i say lefties so, so, okay. No is the short answer. I'm, yeah. The short answer is no. I think what I mean by that is no, they shouldn't only appeal to lefties. I, and I, I don't know how to evaluate it like fairly, but if I tried, I feel like no, because, well, here's what, okay. When I started watching West wing, I was a staunch conservative. I am less that now, but because of this. Because of him, I knew I knew that's where it was going to go. I, I'm not upset that you said that, but I don't know. But no, it can't. But possibly, it didn't hurt. It's right? Sure, it didn't. Uh, yes, it didn't hurt. It probably humanized a group of people that I thought were inhuman at that point in my life. But mm-hmm. no, I mean I can point to several justifications for, and also I'm not a lefty now, so uh, it didn't. Whatever it did to me combined with whatever else was going on in my life it didn't push me all the way i'm not aaron sorkin i'm not i don't politically agree with everything aaron sorkin says but i do think whatever it was i was willing to be open to uh i was more willing to be open to new ideas because probably of west wing but that's directly a political show so i i would have to say like i i think it at least uh, I was open to it at the time, and there weren't a lot of uh, progressive things that I was open to at the time. So, it you know, there's something about it that was at least appealing enough that I thought, well, you know, I'll keep watching this. I didn't expect it. Yeah, I think because Aaron Sorkin is such an outspoken progressive, whereas like it's I think a pretty well known fact that a lot of people writing television and movies these days are left-leaning I don't, I don't think it's wild or crazy to say that hollywood as a whole is is pretty progressive because he's so outspoken though mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. his politics yeah i have heard frankly very intelligent people comment on why do you watch this show yeah. aaron sorkin is such a 
flaming liberal. Okay. But I feel like most of the people that say things like that have not given these shows a fair chance. Sure. So I realize that's the reputation that it has, but I'm not sure. I, I really don't think that's the reality of it. And I mean, not to put you too much on the spot, but you're like, I, I, I like just to say it plainly. I think you and I both exist on some sort of spectrum between these polarized political sides. Yeah. Neither of us are on either far end of those sides. I tend to be on the, I'm more progressive than you, whatever that means. So that is to say you are more conservative than me. And so, but you love, we both like love this the same. So that's gotta, that's gotta give it some credibility. Yeah, for sure. I think Aaron Sorkin does a lot of things really well, and he does them in such a way that would never polarize him too much. I, I feel like the television that I've seen that he's written has always been left-leaning, but it never feels like he is just out to Republican bash. Yeah. I feel like he uses his medium well. He uses it to further discussion. And I think I think that is what he enjoys more. He likes the debate. He likes the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think he has also learned how to have the conversation well. And I think he will he'll take quick little shots at like Fox news. He'll take quick little shots at sort of the idea of a conservative, but if I cannot think of a conservative character that he has written, that it like is a, a satirical character or like an over the top. He, well, that's not, that's not true. Who? I mean, just like, so like if we're talking about, if we're talking about the West wing, yeah, which we're not, there but, is, yeah. there is, I'm yeah, we are for a second though. There are, Two, maybe three conservatives that he would consider conservatives with a brain, Republicans who actually have some common sense. I would say any of the run ins that the staff would have with like Republican leadership, Speaker Halfley, I, I think would, it, I, would be. I think he writes would, Halfley so fairly. He definitely humanizes Halfley, and Halfley is ve- like all of Halfley, Halfley's lines make sense to me. He comes back and says, "No, we are limiting the size of government." He like he's always Halfley is always pursuing his core values, and but I, he he writes him as kind of a red faced, you know, fire breathing type, hot under the collar character. Uh, yeah, but I just don't feel like it's unfair. Like he's a politician. There's also red faced, hot under the collar liberals he, on that he writes too. I like Josh is is Josh Lyman is a red faced, over the top. Like he is, eh, he is a liberal Halfley. Like I, I, I maybe I, I mean maybe maybe yeah. I mean I could see that. I definitely wouldn't sit here arguing that point. I think I think that could be true. So then so then you just side with whoever you agree with more. And and like that's that's what politics is. And I will say he takes some cheaper shots in newsroom at um, yeah. conservative ideals, but they are not aimed at a character that he has written. There's just like uh when he makes that joke about how hurricanes are caused by gay marriage or whatever. Yeah, there you go. There uh, you go. That yeah. sort of thing. Yes, that's uh, probably a very cheap shot. Uh but also it's not aimed at any specific conservative person in the show so it's more mm-hmm. just like a generic dig probably at, Fra- not- at franklin graham <laughs> potentially yes yeah <laughs> potentially yeah i'll admit I'll, I'll stipulate that for sure i think one thing that he does do really well is like i said before he likes the debate he likes the conversation and he wants it to be lively he doesn't want 
you know, even though he is more left leaning, he he doesn't want, you know, the the lefties should just be pounding the the righties, for lack of a better term, yes. into the ground. He yes. wants the conversation. He yes. wants it to be strong. Yeah. So I think one thing he does do is he takes in the newsroom and in the West Wing and anything else he's written, he takes kind of the weaknesses of the Democratic argument and frames the Republican response with those weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So he's he's very, mm-hmm. very familiar mm-hmm. with kind of the talking points of each party mm-hmm. on the issues. And he's like, well, this is all really good. You're a little weak down here. So that's how he'll frame the Republican response. Yeah. Same thing on the other side. Yeah. Republicans actually kind of make sense here. They don't make much sense here. That's how we're going to frame. And so what you have is lively debate. Yeah. It's and, and honestly, it, it ends up being some of the best television I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. And I think, I think you're, you hit the, na- the nail on the head with uh, basically like, yes, in his personal life, he has a political perspective that he pursues pretty heavily except that he would never want his side to completely win out. He wants, he need, he knows, he knows we need each other. Like he knows mm-hmm. that the sides, be- now, and what I think he did in newsroom was he took, he took where we were in West wing, basically idealizing two healthy sides of a debate. And then all of a sudden politics went into, uh, went on steroids and some offshoots happened with like, okay, well here's conservatives. And then here's another faction of conservatives that are more extreme, something like that. And so he, he divided those off. He didn't quite, well, I mean, he sort of did it with, 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 uh, progressives, although he didn't like when he was making fun of Occupy and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. but he didn't certainly did not do that as much as he made fun of like uh tea party stuff. So, sure. uh, no doubt it's not like completely even handed, but he was basically trying to say, uh, no, I don't, I don't think Republicans should disappear obviously, but let's at least, let's also say like, you don't just get credit for being a Republican. If you're going to say crazy off the wall things. So like mm-hmm. we got we got to evaluate all this differently and I do think he caught the, he caught a certain thing going on within political culture that was shifting and and he was trying to say well let's not go there hopefully I and mean, we did anyway yeah. but yeah I, I will say and we kind of talked off Mike I I I don't always feel like I mean he has an idea of what he feels like a republican should be Yes and- yeah yeah sure he doesn't always have his finger on the pulse of what, what like if he was really going to write a good Republican character like Will, the main character in in the show yeah. is a Republican. Yeah. And he, in many ways, is what I feel like Aaron thinks a good Republican should be. Certainly. Yeah. Much more socially progressive. Yeah. Certainly fiscally conservative. Yeah. But more center right. It would be really hard to kind of cover everyone's brand or flavor of of right wing, but I, I think that would be the only thing that he really struggles with when he tries to portray both sides. Any issues you feel like he struggles with? I know that he's been criticized for really like going for the throat on a few things. Interesting. Like what? Well, I feel like one of them is kind of a triggered topic. So I don't know that I, I really want to like flesh that out right now oh like assault specific kind of Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. i do think i think probably he struggles with that and there's a couple glaring examples in newsroom where it and i would almost i would almost describe it like he decided to sort of take this very real thing that happens to real people and make it like an idea 
And then he debates mm-hmm. the idea. And it's like, well, just don't bring that out in the open because that actually happens to people. So yeah. when you when you turn it into just an idea, that's going to be hurtful to people. And so I think that's where he struggled with that. And I think he also just generally, similar to what I said about how he writes his characters and like the boys club in especially newsroom, I think he sort of like always does that. It's like yeah. uh, there's, there's a masculinity issue. So probably the way he writes, you know, just like he struggles with issues having to do with females and he suggesting perhaps the only way to be a fulfilled human is if you were a male human and (laughs) something like (laughs) you sort of dominate that a little bit but uh what's interesting in uh sorry sorry to cut you off no go i think what's interesting in though the newsroom is issues are happening you know left side right side and he's taken he set this show up as we're just covering the news we're just covering yeah, sure. these events. Yeah. So he kind of has the unique ability of being like, hey, man, don't get mad at me. I'm just we're, we're just like stating facts here. And like like we were talking, he's then able to report these events the way he feels like they should be reported. Yeah. Yeah. I do think this show was certainly presenting an idea like here's how the news should be operating. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's more the style of it than. I feel like when you said that earlier, you made it sound a little more like it was like this story should have been covered this way. And I think he specifically come back and said like, well, I'm looking back on events. And so I obviously can cover that particular thing correctly or whatever, you know, the way it was messed up by somebody else. Hindsight is 2020. I do think he's more so less specific. I think he's presenting some core values to news organizations that I do think in that way he's being idealistic, which I I love that. I love the way he's idealistic in this show about how the news could potentially be. Um, it's somewhat naive because I think uh, to pretend like there's some sort of there is no perspective, like like everything has a perspective. Everybody has a perspective. So to pretend like you could neutrally report something is is a little naive but also the idea of it where you're not specifically pressing some agenda or something like that all those core values that i think he's presenting here i think are wonderful things uh and but he's always idealistic about everything he writes so that's i like the ding against west wing is like oh that could never happen except you know it's fun to watch it's fun to watch then i I say but wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great if great if it did yeah and same thing with newsroom wouldn't it be great if there's people that, and I, I think some of the dings he also takes are, he takes these, these things that people are like, almost like nerdly passionate about doing them perfectly well, like just nailing this, making it perfect. And you kind of can't believe that they would be so obsessive about this thing. He's made them obsessive about mm-hmm. like the way this like weird camaraderie builds in this newsroom and everybody's staying like, hours and they're just so passionate about reporting the news correctly and like it it becomes almost unbelievable that there would be a group of people that would unite over this like need to cover the news perfectly it's it's like Mm -hmm. sort of unbelievable so i definitely understand that critique but also at the same time it never bothers me to sort of present this idealized version of the world where like we all just try and be the best people we can possibly be and that's kind of the final thing i would say about the the left right thing and if he appeals more to one side what you get and i think it's it's absolutely evident in the west wing and i 
I would argue that it's still evident in the newsroom. What you get is on screen is a group of people who generally just want to do good. Mm -hmm. And how can you argue with good? Mm -hmm. How can you, how can you argue with people trying to help other people and who generally care about the unnamed millions? And, you know, in the West Wing's case, it's the voters uh, or the, you know, the constituents. In this case, it's the viewers. How can you argue with people who generally just want to do good? And I, I mean, that is that is my biggest selling point for right wing people who maybe turn their nose up at the West Wing or have turned their nose up at Aaron Sorkin stuff. It almost transcends political party. Yes, Jed Bartlett's a Democrat. Yes, you know, a lot of the people in the newsroom are um, playing progressive people. Uh, this transcends that, though. I, I think so, too. And I don't agree with everything they say in newsroom, basically, if I put it very, very simply. I don't agree with everything they put on the screen, you know? But um, that's part of what I think then makes me come back to be able to recommend, yeah, like, why wouldn't you check it out? They de they deal well with these issues, and I don't end up agreeing with whoever, like, it seems like I should agree with. So I know that you don't have to either. I don't know why, like, we just don't normally watch TV like that, so I don't know why specifically with Sorkin the the buy-in question would be like do you agree with everything sorkin thinks like well you don't <laughs> you don't think that about anybody else so i don't know why yeah. you're, you're so is that because you're so worried that he's going to convince you of his point oh, i just don't know what the why wouldn't you just try it and then you're able to just be like well i don't agree with that move on like i, I don't know why it's such a mountain to climb to just say, i i can't possibly even look at someone saying something i agree with like you do it all the time i don't know what i don't know where mm -hmm. this comes from so yeah i i and also i think one of my big things I love about Sorkin is that I swear he's always so far ahead of his time. I think he's in, in the, in, like I said, in the beginning, he, the shows he's creating are ahead of their time. And I say that from like the premium television uh, perspective, but I also say like the way he talked about politics in the West wing, it's like that was ahead of its time, but newsroom he almost predicted where we went, like with the polarized news sources. Like it was, yeah. it was sort of like that. And he was basically like new, the newsroom is basically saying people choose their own facts yeah. is a line from the news. Like one of the first episodes, people choose their own facts. People choose the facts they want. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, but also, yes, it was polarized at the time. It was nowhere near it is now. And literally the newsroom, he's saying, don't let it go there. And then we did. It's almost like I wish we, and that's not, it's not to say like, Hey, you should have watched MSNBC instead of Fox news. I, that's not what I, I don't, I do not think that's what Sorkin is saying. Uh, but I do think it was like, he's saying like, oh, if we let it go here, we're going to be in a, an amount of trouble. And then we just, you know, kind of did let it go there. I'm sorry. I shouldn't overgeneralize because I don't even know that many people who do that, but I, it just sort of like I'm fighting against this generic polarized thing, but certainly the world is polarized, but I think it's just crazy how Sorkin always is able to sort of see these things coming and basically say, I mean, he always fails to stop the world from moving that direction, but he also sees it moving that direction. So I think that's very interesting. So since this is our season finale, Instead of doing our normal Anthony pitches me a show, I pitch him a show, and then we kind of talk about what we're watching, uh, we want to take a few minutes and talk about what we feel like you should be watching this summer. So this is pretty much based on episodes that we've done, but there's a lot of television coming, coming at you. Mm -hmm. So everyone loved the Reservation Dogs episode, mm -hmm. right? 
New season, season two of Reservation Dogs is coming August 9th. I'm pumped. I just saw on Instagram, I've been following a lot of the people from Reservation Dogs, and I just saw they, like, like maybe today wrapped up the last, filming the oh, last episode. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Going to be a good one. Uh, no news on Yellowstone. Of course, Ozark just wrapped up its final season. That's a must watch if you haven't done that. Cobra Kai is coming out with its uh, new season, September 9th. Season five. Yeah. Season five, so I'll kind of miss the summer a little bit, but uh, definitely one that I'll be watching, even though we pooped on it a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to watch the new season. <laughs> I will, too. Only Murders in the Building. That's around the corner, June 28th, mm-hmm. and I'm ecstatic about that. I think that's going to be a great season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Succession's going to be next year sometime. Maisel, those both had newer seasons come out in the spring. Same with Severance. Stranger Things. The new season, the first half of it, or the first, the first most of it, I'll say, just dropped literally this past weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Go watch it now. It's super spooky. I think you'll love it. And then the final two episodes of the season come out in July. So get ready for oh, those. Wait. I think so. It's just it's however many episodes are out now, and then there's only two after this little drop. On, only two more. Oh wow! But they're like they're. F- Feature really length, long. Ep- yeah, yeah, feature length episodes. Okay. So I think they're both about ninety plus minutes. Okay. So I mean, they've got a lot of stuff to tie up. I'll just say that. Yeah, they better, they I haven't even did their- I haven't even started yet. But oh man, <laughs> oh Jack Ryan. Sometime soon. Amazon Prime. Terrible with their you know letting us know any information. Probably fall ish, but be looking for that. Ted Lasso via Cristo Fernandez's Twitter account said, hopefully by the end of the year, we'll be getting Ted Lasso episodes or that start. They release every week. So uh, we'll probably start those. And then Atlanta just, I mean, they're literally just wrapping up their new season. Yep. Um, and you will have already heard our uh, Atlanta episode. So we, you know, we highly recommend that. Anything else, Anthony, you can think of? No, not that I know of. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's all the things that, you know, we know we're coming out and uh, things that we did episodes on. So yeah, let me just add my thanks to Anthony's, you know, this has been really fun. I spent three years doing a podcast on movies and that was time well spent. I really enjoyed that, but there's something about television that really connects with people. I feel like everyone is always looking for a new show to watch, you know, and, and I don't want to pat ourselves on the back for coming up with this great idea where we're so cool. You know, it's nothing like that. It's just, it's been an opportunity for me to just have more conversations with people about, about something that I love. It's opened many more doors and has really given me a point of entry with a lot of people. So I, I just, I really appreciate everyone who has stuck with us, you know, through our first season. We've loved doing this. This is something that I really enjoy doing i really enjoy getting to talk to anthony every week about something that we love so i appreciate your support hang in with us we'll be back should have some fun stuff for you over the summer and we do Uh, i will say this we have an instagram account good show podcast right is that right at good show podcast yeah i i think it's the good show podcast yep and then also we have a, a facebook group and i bring those things up because we're actually thinking through some questions right now for like next season. We'll be thinking through these things. A couple of things that have sort of come up that we would love feedback on probably is our balance of sometimes I feel like we're talking a whole lot about a show you've seen 
And sometimes I feel like we're talking about a show that you may watch. And so yeah. we're curious, like, how's our balance on that? How, if you haven't seen the show we're talking about, how do you like how we talk about it? And if you have yeah. seen it, like, do you like that? And are we fulfilling our spoiler free commitment to you or are we uh-huh. spoiling too much? So we mm-hmm. are very interested in feedback on as season one, uh, Positive feedback is always welcome, but also the, the, uh, yeah, we'll take a critique. Yeah. give it to us. Anything that we can do better. We'd love to know that too. Cause we do appreciate you listening. Well, signing off for the, the last time and the, the, this is stupid. I should, (laughs) (laughs) I'll talk to you later in the middle of, uh, 2022. Yeah. (laughs) 